Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. So church, so I say to you right now, that the Father wants to put his yes in your heart. So are you ready? So put your hands on your heart. Father, we're ready. We receive your yes right now in our heart. We, we align our hearts with you. We cooperate with you right now with whatever you want to do, with whatever you're going to take us. Because we just want to honor your name. We just want to honor the testimony of Jesus in Cheyenne in Wyoming and in this nation and in this world. God, we just make ourselves available and we choose to be willing because we don't have to wait until we're qualified. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing among us. We thank you that you're doing a new thing even though we don't know exactly what it looks like. Um, but the picture that I have, and um, I'll put the picture in context first. Um, when, when we went to the mission in Vacaville, we, we observed a, a church that has, I guess, gotten comfortable with the uncomfortable, gotten comfortable with uh, standing on a foundation that is often moving. <laughs> uh, because it, it's the Lord. But he, he doesn't, when, when a people are, are willing to go with him, he, he doesn't sit still for very long. He, he doesn't let us stay in one place for very long because he, he doesn't want us to get comfortable. Uh, the, the growth comes when we are uncomfortable and we need the comforter. Yeah. So the picture is uh, of, I, it was the, the Indiana Jones movie with the the holy grail and he's he's almost there he's on one side of this chasm and where he needs to go is on the other side of this what appears to be a bottomless pit uh and and he just has to take a leap of faith and and when he does then he finds out there's actually something there <laughs> which was, was really nice. Because <laughs> otherwise the movie would have had a very different ending. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I, I have a sense that the Lord is, is wanting to do something with us that is new and very old. Um, 
there's, there's an apostolic gospel that is not often preached here in America. And it's, it's the gospel of, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And in, in, in that life, in, in the crucified life, there is access to things that the human being doesn't have access to. Uh, the resurrection life only comes to those who are dead. <laughs> you, you can't resurrect what's already alive because there's already a life there. So the Lord is, is always looking for a people who are, are willing to enter into that gate of the apostolic gospel, the, the crucified life. And I, I call it the apostolic gospel because it is the first century gospel. It's the gospel that was preached by the original apostles, and it's been preached by apostles for 2,000 years. But they, they really laid down their lives. There was a short time after the resurrection, or after the crucifixion, and after the resurrection, they, they thought maybe they would go back to their old life. And remember, Jesus met them there. They they decided to go fishing again, <laughs> and they didn't catch anything. <laughs> Remember, and but Jesus had a meal for them on on the shore, and he he showed them a picture right then and there. If if you will. If you will try to do this in your own power and your own thinking, you're going to work all night and you're not going to catch any fish. But if you will hear me and do what I say, the harvest will be so great that your nets will break. And that, I believe, is, is where the Lord would take us. But it takes a people who want to see God get what he wants above all else. It, it reminds me of the verse that I, I keep going back to because it, it is... It's the entire key to spiritual warfare. John fourteen thirty. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. It's the last slide, the very last one, I think, or second to last. 
I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And what that means in, in our context is there is no desire that, that I have, that, that you have. There's, there's no agenda that I have, that you have, that is above in our hearts what the Lord wants. Because if, if there is any such thing, if there is any desire in our hearts, if there is any agenda of our own that is at odds with what the Lord wants, the enemy has that in you. And he, he seeks to, will seek to exploit that within you to separate your heart from God. And, and so we, we need to learn how to walk in a way that there's nothing in our life that is off limits to God. Uh, that is what Jesus was saying when he said, the enemy has nothing in me. There's, there's nothing he can exploit in me that I'm willing to put above what the Lord wants. And so, I'm, I'm being really challenged by a, a book that I'm reading. And if, I, I would encourage many of you to, to get this book, uh, and begin reading it also because uh, it, it lays out some things that that are not um, often they're not known by by very many people. Uh, it's revelation that uh, about really the building of an apostolic community. And it's it's a beautiful thing, and it's it's what the church should be uh, that is, is built upon the foundation of the apostles and, and the prophets. Uh, and I think part of the reason that Americans especially seem seem to have a, a problem with the idea of, of apostles is the the grid that we see in what I guess I would call the Christian media <laughs> of of apostles is is like anything but the first century apostles. Uh, the the first century apostles knew that they uh, had been called and appointed by Jesus to serve everybody and and to to take the low place in order to raise everybody else up. Where it seems, in, in America, at least in my own limited observation, uh, most of the people who use the term apostle 
Um, they expect to be treated like Hollywood people, <laughs> and it, uh, it's it's just it's it's not the, the biblical model of apostle. So, um, anyway, the name of the book. Can I even remember the name of the book? Unstoppable Kingdom by Bill Bennett, but it's spelled differently. It's like B-E-N-N-O-T or something like that. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, as I've been reading that book, and I'm, I'm really only about a third of the way through, uh, but he's he's making sense of a lot of things a lot of glimpses of things that I've had over the past couple of decades and and tying things together and a lot of things that didn't really make a lot of sense before are making a lot more sense now uh, so I, I think it's good but today I really have a message that is intended to leave you with more questions than answers. Uh, Jesus often taught that way. But first, I, I want to share something with you uh, that was just a, a personal gift that I got from the Lord this week, but I, I really feel like it's for all of us. I was seeking the Lord on wisdom to win souls because I, I want all of us to be equipped for the harvest to bring other people into the kingdom. But many times we don't know where to start. We, we don't know how to start a conversation that, that could go in that direction. So the it was one of those amazing times when uh, the word said, no sooner come out of my mouth than I had the answer. Uh, and, and this is what the Lord said. Uh, it's, it's a conversation starter. Uh, that if, if the God of creation and the judge of all the earth made an offer to you, would you want to know what it was? Because he has. If, if the God of the universe and the judge of all the earth had made an offer to you, would you want to know what it was? And, and the offer is the gospel. Uh, that his son paid the price for every wrong thing that we've ever done for all of our sins. His name is Jesus, and he was killed. He paid that price because the, the price for, for our sins, is, the penalty is, is death. So he took that death upon himself and rose again to prove that he was the Son of God. And all you have to do to receive that payment 
is to recognize God as the king of the earth and of your life. And this is where it gets a little sticky. It means that you give up control of your life to him because in paying that debt, he purchased you. So we, we are not our own, but we are, we are his. If, if we want to receive that payment. And that, that really is, is the apostolic gospel. And, and then if, if, if a, a people will arise who, who really enter into this, they will be the conduits of great blessing into the earth. They, they will be the, the conduit through which this other kingdom becomes expressed on the earth. So, Lord, I pray you'd give each of us opportunity, opportunities to uh, speak those words to people this week. And, and Lord, just quicken our, our spirit when the opportunity is near <laughs> so that we're ready. And, and give us boldness to, to enter in. Hmm. So, the the true idea of apostle, um, this this is very interesting, and I, I hadn't realized this in, until reading this book, but it it is indeed true. Uh, apostles are are just people who are on mission. And it's it's very interesting. I, I think we we looked, or at least we talked about the passage in Luke where Jesus prayed all night, and then the next morning he chose twelve of his followers who he designated as apostles. Now, what's really interesting is that Jesus would use that word. Uh, because it's not an Aramaic word. It's not a Hebrew word. It's it's a Greek word. And there are a lot of Hebrew or Aramaic words that Jesus could have used to designate those 12. He, he could have called them priests or Levites. Uh, he, he, any number of Old Testament words. But he didn't. He he chose to call them apostles. And that Greek word was used often in in the Roman Empire. When when they would send a group of ships or an army to a foreign land to colonize it and to bring and establish the Roman culture within that place, the admiral, all the people on the ships, the armies, 
they were all called apostles. Because they were being sent to take this Roman culture, and, and they were financed by the Roman government. They had the full authority and funding of the Roman government to go to this place and establish the Roman culture in that place. And, and they, they knew going in that some of them would die. Because, you see, when, when an outside culture comes in and tries to forcefully establish itself upon a group of people, there, there is conflict. <laughs> there, there is war, often, and, and people die in war. And this is the picture of a true apostolic community. We have been sent here from another kingdom to establish that kingdom in this place. And we have authority from the king. And he will provide what is needed to accomplish what he wants accomplished. We, we need that understanding of the mission that we have been sent to do. This this is this this is so much different of a mindset than than trying to build a church. I, I told you a few weeks ago I I don't want to be about that anymore. I, I still didn't really have the picture yet of of what it was, but the picture is is now coming into view of of what what it actually is that, that we are to be doing. Uh, yet I had pieces of that understanding eight years ago, that we we're called to bring the kingdom to this city. We're not called to build a church <laughs> that is internally focused and isolated from the culture that we're in, we're we're to be out in it like leaven because every one of us has access to different parts of of this culture different people different people groups different social groups and and we can bring the influence of God's kingdom into those unique spheres where we find ourselves. And what, what we have to understand is, is how big God is in us. Okay? 
So this, this is the real message of today. Uh, there is, uh, I, I was going to say, virtually unlimited potential within every one of us within whom the Spirit of God resides. But it, it really isn't even virtually unlimited. It is unlimited. And, and so I want to share with you some, some ideas, some examples from Scripture that go beyond the limits of what we think would be reasonable or humanly possible. And, and remember, these, these things are humanly impossible. But we are no longer just human beings. We are new creations. We're, we're a new kind of, of creature that has the spirit of the creator God within us for purpose. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, this, this is to begin our uh, expanding. And Lord, I, I pray you would expand our understanding and expand our imagination of just who you are in us and who we are in you. Because I'm, I'm telling you, it's more than you thought. It's more than you think. It's more than we know. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. But let's go back to that first, to verse 20. To him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. All we could ask or even all we could imagine according to his power, the power of the creator God that is at work within you. We, we have imposed upon ourselves false limitations. I, I'm going to tell you right now that if if God is telling you to do something it's not because he wants you to be frustrated 
about thinking how you can't do that. Because we're going to look at a biblical example of that, too. It's because he's ready to do it. And, and we, we looked at that passage within the last couple of weeks, too. No word of God is without the power to accomplish it. And that was in the context of one of the most amazing miracles that's ever happened on the face of the earth, God coming into Mary <laughs> and, and forming a baby. Yeah, that's only happened once. But we know it can be done. But God's not going to do it again because he already did it and accomplished everything he wanted to do. But that's how big this thing is. And, and Mary, she didn't say no. What did she say? She said, let it be unto me as you said. So when God asks us to do something or tells us that he wants to do something through us that is big, let's not be like the 12 disciples before they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit in the passage we're going to look at later. Let's be like Mary and say, whatever you want, God I'm I'm here. And first uh, John four four, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, the world. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is within you is greater than all of the evil on the earth. Yes. <laughs> he who is within you is greater than all the evil on the earth. That, that is truth, it is reality. It, it brings new understanding to the idea that God and one person is always a majority. Even if they are standing against the Chinese military. and the Russian military <laughs> all together. That, that is reality. There's a, there's a rabbit trail I'm not sure I'm supposed to go on. So I'm not going to go there just yet. 
although it's a good one. So I want, I want to give you some examples from the Word that challenge the limitations of our thoughts and imaginations of what God can do. The first one is out of the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 18, the story of Elijah. And, and this is uh, after the great showdown with all the prophets of Baal. <laughs> and Elijah's running away into the wilderness. And there's been no rain for years. But Elijah prophesied that Rain was coming. That's the context. So starting in verse 44, the seventh time that he sent his servant to go look and see if there was a cloud, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, and the wind rose, and a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, I, I didn't go to the map and look exactly uh, how many miles it was, but it, it was a journey. And Elijah outran Ahab in the chariot. Now, that is not natural. Show me a man who can outrun a horse. <laughs> but when God is in and on that man, any of us could do it. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 14. And more than ever, and, and this, this is right after the Ananias and Sapphira incident, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, so that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now that's crazy. 
Peter's shadow touching somebody. And they get healed. <laughs> Glory. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's what that was. Peter was so immersed in God. And God was so upon him. You know, I always say we need to be filled often because we leak. This this is rivers of living water flowing out of a person. That's what that looks like. So don't tell me that can't happen. The outpouring in the latter days is going to exceed the former days. So we need to get our thinking and our imagining at a much higher level than where it is right now. And and we need to stop thinking no and can't and those kind of things and and think about wow i can imagine that so that's not even stretching it if you can imagine it cuz he can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that you can imagine So let's get our imaginations working in the right direction. Acts chapter 8. And when they came up out of the water, uh, verse 39, sorry. When they came up out of the water, this is when Philip had just baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. How about that one? I have heard of people experiencing this in the last few years. Uh, I, I heard the testimony of one of the leaders of the house church movement in China who was in prison. An angel came to him in his cell and said, you're being released. And the man followed the angel through every door and walked out of the prison. Yeah. 
I, I heard this testimony of uh, one of the guys from the church at Vacaville. He had grown up in a Presbyterian church, and uh, he had somehow gotten asked to come back to that church to to preach, um, which was kind of astounding to him because he, he had been disfellowshipped from that church when he was young uh, because he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he, he went there, and uh, after, I, I think it was a Saturday evening service, uh, he, he prayed for the wife of the youth pastor who had 80% hearing loss. She, she was nearly deaf. And he prayed for her, and he asked her what was happening, and she said her ears were burning. Uh, so he, he prayed some more, and uh, they, they kept burning, but uh, she didn't notice any real increase in, in her hearing. Uh, but then in the Sunday morning service, the next day, uh, there was a time of testimony because some people had been healed. And, and then she stood up and said, <laughs> this is just so awesome. <laughs> I heard some things this morning that I've never heard. She woke up and she heard this noise and she couldn't figure out what it was. It was her watch ticking. <laughs> and then she said uh, her, her daughter would always come in in the morning and kiss her on the cheek and, and whisper something in, in her ear, but she never knew what it was. And that morning, <laughs> she heard it. Mommy, I love you so much. Never heard it before. in the midst of a people who don't even believe in those things. God was not limited <laughs> by their unbelief. <laughs> We've seen some miracles In this fellowship, we, we have some testimony of the power of God. I remember John Wheeler's eye that was healed overnight uh, when he had a detached retina. And the doctor had told him, that day there's, there's really nothing that we can do. It usually corrects itself in about a year. So you'll just have blurry vision in that eye for about a year. 
And John didn't really believe in that sort of thing, but he, he shared it in our small group one night. And we prayed for him. The next morning he woke up and he could see perfectly. And being one who doesn't really believe in that sort of thing, he went right back to the eye doctor <laughs> the next day, that day, and asked the doctor what was going on. The doctor looked at his eye and he said, well, I don't know what to tell you, but there's nothing wrong with your eye. It's whatever was there yesterday isn't, isn't there now. And uh, that time on, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, when we were there at the end of the month when everybody was out of money and we had a giveaway and, and we were going to feed everybody and then we, we got there and we found out it had been on the radio all week. And we... Two or three hours early we get there to set up and there's already like 150 people waiting. <laughs> and we normally would feed, you know, maybe 75, 100 tops and these sort of things. But the Lord had, I, I had prayed when I was at Sam's getting food and I felt like the Lord said, get twice as much as you normally would. So we, we probably had enough to feed 200 people. And we figured we easily fed 350 because it was just chaotic <laughs> for about three hours. And finally, everybody left. The whole team ate. And there was one hamburger left. And a little boy comes up and says, do you have any food left? And he got the last hamburger. <laughs> so, this passage from Mark chapter 6 is very instructive to us as we seek to expand our thinking. Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, this is after their first missionary journey, apostolic journey of ministry. And Jesus said, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. In other words, get yourselves internally filled up again. Because you've been out ministering, this is how it works. You... You go and assault the kingdom of the enemy and then you come back and you get yourself filled up again. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. 
And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran ahead on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. Now here's something that we need to understand. When Jesus told them, You give them something to eat. His words had the power to accomplish it. They had not yet grasped that. He was not telling them to do something they couldn't do. I mean, he was, because they couldn't do it. But because he had said they could do it, they could do it. That's the difference. We don't get to choose the miraculous things <laughs> that the Lord will do through us. It would be nice. <laughs> but he wants the glory. Yes. He deserves the glory. Yes. It's his power. It's his kingdom. It's his plan. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, thinking in the natural, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Which they probably couldn't have even done anyway. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Now that is food multiplication. I mean, who knows how many people were actually there? Five thousand men. And how many women and how many children? 15,000 people? How many people are in Douglas? Uh, <laughs> not that many. I think there are only about six or 7,000. With five loaves, five little loaves, probably, and two fish. Now, we need to read, read on a little bit further. 
because I mean, this is a great chapter in Mark. So immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. See, Jesus never lost sight of where they were headed. That's, that's where they were going, <laughs> was to go to a desolate place and pray and be with God again. So that was still the first thing on Jesus' mind. He had compassion on the people. He taught them, and then he fed them. But he knew what had to be done. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they had not gained any insight from the incident with the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. Hmm. We, we are to gain insight into the ways of the Lord from the testimonies that we hear of the miracles that God does. Why was it? I mean, there's, there's two questions that that, verse, that last verse really presents. Why did they gain no insight from the incident with the loaves? And why were their hearts hardened? There, there was truth, there was revelation that, that they were to gain through the incident with the feeding of the 5,000. But they, they had not pondered the meaning of the miracle that Jesus did. And, you know, why, why were their hearts hardened? Um, I wish I had a great answer for that, but I think they they probably became offended at Jesus for asking them to do something that they could not do. He 
He said, you, you feed them. And, and their response was, are you crazy? You want us to spend all the money in the money bag and, and go and buy food for all these people? When what God was wanting to show them was, I don't play by the natural rules. And when you're in me, you don't have to either. That's what they were supposed to get. That's the insight that I think they were supposed to get. We are sent from a higher kingdom. We've, we've been sent into this city from, from a higher kingdom. And that kingdom doesn't operate by the natural rules that we have become accustomed to living according to. God can break the rules. Again, we, we don't have control over that. Our breaking the rules is completely dependent upon God's desire for something to happen that is beyond the rules. But will a people arise with enough faith, enough trust, enough imagination for God to tell them to do something that is impossible and instead of being offended, they let him do it. We, we have been called into a greater adventure than we understand. I believe we, we are in those days of, of the latter outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit that is going to be greater than the former. And it, it will require a, a people who expect God to break the rules through them in order for that to happen. Now, there, there are certain things that God will just do. But for the most part, He requires a regenerated human being to cooperate with Him 
to get it done. Uh, how many people have risen from the dead without being prayed for? Uh, we, we know that there were some. Uh, because something really weird happened when Jesus was res resurrected. And it, it was like the power of God came down to Jerusalem and enough of it leaked out into the, some of the tombs around that other people actually rose from the dead also. I mean, that's, that's power. <laughs> Only one of the Gospels even talks about that. Because, I mean, theologians just, they don't know what to do with it. But I, I just think of this beam of God's power coming down on, onto Jesus' tomb and some of it ricocheting. <laughs> And, and hitting other tombs and, and other people rise from the dead. And uh, so, the, I mean, the thing is, uh, this thing that we've been called into, it, it's so much bigger than us. And, you know, some of us may lose our lives in the work of bringing the kingdom into this city and transforming the culture of this city to be consistent with God's kingdom. And, and some of us probably will. And, you know, we, we got to be okay with that. Because the overcomers in the book of Revelation, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to flee from death. Because they, they knew. And I, I mean, if, if Romans representing that heathen culture heathen, hedonistic culture of Rome would, would go to these foreign lands to establish Roman culture knowing that some of them would die. I mean, we're called to something so much greater. The kingdom that we represent is an everlasting kingdom. The, the rewards of moving this kingdom forward, of, of taking territory for God's kingdom, uh, they're eternal, eternal rewards. And, and see, what I'm beginning to understand is, is there, there is no taking ground for the kingdom without the crucified life. And, and the Lord has, has spoken to me that, 
that he wants to do something big enough in this city that, that the culture is transformed. That really is pretty much beyond my imagination. But I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on being able to imagine that. Because I also know this, that no word of God is without the power to accomplish it. Yeah. And if he said that to me, which he did, he will do it. But it's, it's going to take a people who are so focused on him and what he wants that everything else is just secondary. That the enemy has nothing in me. Nothing that he can use <laughs> to move me away from what God has put before me. So, the, the remedy <laughs> or how do we get there <laughs> I've got a couple passages here in closing uh, Colossians 3 starting in verse 1 therefore if you have been raised up with Christ which we have. Keep seeking those things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. And, and I need to get back to more of, of this. As a, a while back, I, I wrote down a list. On one side, I had things of the world, and on the other side, I had things of heaven. So it would be easier for me to think on the things of heaven and not so much on, on the things of the world because that's where this goes. Set your mind on things above. He, he wants to expand our thinking. He wants to renew our minds and our thinking and expand our ability to imagine what it is that he might do. Because, you know, as, as I seek to imagine the culture of Cheyenne being transformed, uh, God is probably going to have to do something that he's never done. Although there have been cities the size of Cheyenne where the culture has been miraculously changed. And I, I think of Atlantic City, New Jersey in the First Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards where there were 50,000 people and to the best of their ability to determine there were only four adults who had not been saved. Now that will transform the culture of a city.
And that has been done. That is the testimony of the Lord. And, and Jonathan Edwards, I mean, this guy, unbelievable. Uh, went, went into New York City, and in three weeks, 50,000 people are saved. In three weeks. With no microphones, no PA, uh, from, from all that I understand about Jonathan Edwards, he, he was more boring to listen to than me. Because he, he would just stand up there and, and read his notes. But he, he had this revelation of the power of God. And he had a spirit of conviction upon his words like, like no one else really in, in the history of, of the church. And, and this was what he sought from the Lord, was the ability to fix uh, a saving gaze upon the soul of sinners such that if if he just stood there and and looked at somebody and, and he did this he, he went into a textile mill in Massachusetts and and he stood there and and he looked at these two ladies and in just a couple minutes, they started to shake and tremble. And, and then they fell on the floor. And, and within a half an hour, the whole factory had shut down because most of the people were laying on the floor groaning because such a spirit of conviction had gripped their souls that they... They didn't know what to do. They were just on the floor groaning. And he hadn't said a word. He just went into the place. I'm asking for that spirit of conviction. Because when people were saved under his ministry... They were saved. There, there was repentance. Because that's what they were groaning about. They, they had revelation of their sin, of their condition, and their need for a Savior. And man, when, when he finally came back two days later, can you imagine... He left. He didn't say anything. And, and the Lord told him to go back there in two days and, and led the whole factory to the Lord. Does that raise your imagining a little bit? It, it raised mine 
a little bit. Now look at some of the stories of David Brainerd. Because he's the guy who Jonathan Edwards wanted to be like. And, and David Brainerd was, was ill. He died, I think, before he was 30 years old. But he, he was sent by the Lord. He was an apostle sent by the Lord to the Native Americans. And, and he had a drunk interpreter. And, and he, he would lay, he, whatever condition he had, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he would have a fever often. So he would go and lay out in the snow for hours, just weeping and crying out to the Lord for the Native Americans. And when he would go in, into their villages, that, that same spirit of conviction would, would hit them. And, and they would fall to the ground and groan, wanting to know, how can I be saved? Imagine that. Hmm. So that's part of the remedy. <laughs> Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your, your lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, transform us by the renewing of our minds. Take our thinking higher. Lord, remove the boundaries that, that we place upon you and upon you in us. You, you truly <laughs> can accomplish anything. And that's beyond our imagining. So take our imagining higher. Take our thinking higher. Uh, bring, bring our hearts in, into alignment with your desires.
And the, the last one is Second Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill is to be filled, thoroughly permeated with the fullness of God and to fulfill thoroughly. And your ministry is your service to God, being present to God. Lord, teach us how to think on things above. I, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, do something in our hearts, in our thinking, so that we're not distracted by the things below. We, we want to get to the place, Lord, where you can share what's on your heart regularly with us. And we want to pray that into being and cooperate with you in whatever way you desire. So, Lord, I, I agree with Kim's prayer. Don't just take the no out of us, but put a big yes in our hearts toward you. And Lord, we, we ask you to transform the culture of our city and of this region by the power that raised Jesus from the dead that is at work in us. And since you've said it, I, I will declare it. You, you will transform the culture of this city. And we thank you for it. And you will raise up a people who want to see you get what you want above all else. And may we be part of that. So, Lord, bless bless your people. May we do the work of the evangelist and be filled and fulfill the service that you give us. And, and Lord, bless our, our move. Go before us, and we thank you that you've already blessed that place, that space. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.